0: Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Good evening. How's everybody doing? Are you, I always have like 3 people that go, "We're good." Everybody else just kind of stares at me. I kind of know how a goldfish feels in a fish bowl now, you know what I'm saying? before we jump in tonight i want to pray and i want to pray specifically for tonight but then i also want to pray for what's going on in california right now it's really been on my heart man just what's going on there i've been watching some of the news footage i want to pray for those people well father in heaven we thank you for tonight we thank you for the opportunity to gather together Lord, first and foremost, we lift up everything that's going on in California right now. I was watching a report, and it said that their only hope is rain, but that the weather forecasters are saying there isn't any in the forecast. Well, (laughs) Father, we thank you that we happen to know the man that controls the weather. And we thank you that your eye is on the people in California. So, Father, we call in the rain. We pray that you change whatever needs to happen and that you bring the rain to quench those fires. Father, we pray for protection for the first responders that are out there working in the middle of all that chaos, Father. We pray that the guardianship of the angels is with them, that they are safe. And, Father, we pray for your people that are there, that they rise to the surface that they come out in front, Father, that they begin to show you to the lost world around them, that, Father, they would reach out to those that are in need and that supernaturally the world around them would see you, that miracles would happen, that rain would come, that there'd be abundant supplies to take care of the people, that Christians would open up their homes, Father, that churches would be packed so that people come to know you, just as Pastor Don was talking about. There's some things going on in this world. And we know that you're waiting until everyone's heard the message. So, Father, we pray that that is used by you for everyone to hear the message. And we thank you that we're going to see rain come. We thank you that we're going to see those fires put out. And we thank you that we're going to see lives saved. And then, Daddy, tonight, I pray for your anointing to deliver your word, Father. We don't need a pep talk. We need a message from the Most High God. And we thank you that your word is powerful and that it accomplishes the task for which it was set forth to do. And Father, I also pray for your anointing for folks to receive your word, that we can set aside whatever's running around in our minds, uh, any chaos that's going on, any bad reports. That Father, we can set all of that aside so that our hearts are not hard ground, but so that they're ready to receive the seed of your word that will bear a good crop in our lives. It'll bring fruit if we let it in. So let us receive it. And we ask you for these things, and we thank you for them in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Cody. We are going to shift gears so fast tonight, it's going to be crazy. Tonight is part two of a message that we started last Wednesday. So if you weren't here last Wednesday, then do me a favor. Go back and listen to last Wednesday's message, because this can stand alone on its own, but it was really meant to be filtered and seen through what we talked about last week, okay? Because we're in the, we're in the lane of finances, but from a, a little different place, from the place of realizing that God is a God of order and that, that first things need to be first for everything else in our lives to be in order. And so we talked about that last week. Uh, If you wanna see an example of, of God being a God of order, I used creation as an example. He created dry land, then he created plants, then he created animals, and then he created humanity. The dry land had to be there for the plants, the plants had to be there for the animals, and the plants had to be there so that when the animals were there and we were there, the animals didn't eat us. He's the God of order, and if we get things out of order, then everything's out of order. And so that's what we talked about last week, and the Bible has a term in regards to our finances about the first, and that term, we've all heard it, that term is the tithe, and some folks may not know what that word means, that word literally just means a tenth, it's a fractional number, it's a percentage, that's all that word means. So if you were to look that up in the Hebrew or when we hear about it in the New Testament, which we'll see, that's all that that refers to. It's a fractional number. It's a percentage. And so tonight we're going to discuss the tithe, that first part of our finances a little bit so that we can see how everything else can come into line in our finances by living out this biblical principle of the tithe. We're going to start off In Leviticus 27, verse 30. Leviticus 27, verse 30. It says, The tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. Now let me frame that for you. I've heard people say, you know, first and foremost, I haven't always been a pastor. I was out there as a congregant serving in tree kids and doing all that stuff a lot longer than I've been a pastor. Construction worker, mechanic, you name it, I've done it uh, about the last two years, year and a half, I've been on staff here as a pastor. Uh, I was on staff before that for about a year and a half as the construction guy building this room that's back here. And I, I want you to know that about me so that you understand that what I'm sharing with you is personal accounts that I've walked out and lived out in my life and not as a paid professional. How about that? So in Leviticus 2730, when we read this, I've heard people say, well, yeah, but Rob, that's Old Testament That's under the law, and it doesn't say anything about money. And I am in agreement with you that it's Old Testament, and I'm in agreement with you that we don't see that it says money there. But can I frame it for you? In Exodus 13, the Israelites are coming out of Egypt. They've been slaves for a little over 400 years. That's the context and setting of this. They were slaves. (laughs) They didn't have money. There wasn't any money for them to have. They didn't have jobs. They were slaves. So they worked for the Egyptians, if you could call it work. And for that, they had food and some sort of a clay hut that they could live in. That's all they had. So God takes them out of Egypt. He delivers them out of Egypt. And he says, now here's the deal. You can go back last week, Exodus 13. He says, here's the deal. Bring the first to me. Set it apart to me. And he talks about animals and he talks about crops. So it was their livelihood. They needed the grain and they needed the animals so that they could eat. They also needed the animals so that they could lug around all their possessions in the wilderness for 40 years. It's no different than today. That was their wealth, if that makes sense. So that's why that's what God told them to do. It's about keeping him first in that. And so what we see is that the tithe is first because God is first. The tithe is first because God is first. Remember, last week we talked about that. Um, God's not first because we make him first. God is first because he made us. (laughs) God always has been. He's always been there. Everything was created by him. He is first. And he simply says if you align your life up with that principle and you'll, you'll make your decisions based on the fact that I am first, then everything else will fall into line. If it's, we're talking about money tonight, but let's say in a relationship, I'm married. It's my wife's birthday today. She's amazing. We've been together for 27 years. If I place my wife first, our marriage is out of order and it won't work. I've tried. God has to be first. Then my wife If I place God first, and then my kids, and then my wife third, it's still out of order, and it won't work, because God is a God of order. It's gotta be God, my wife, and then my kids. That's the order. And if I want my marriage to work, that's what I have to do. And so God is first. So that's why he says, hey, bring me the tithe first. It's really a positional thing. And then the first is about faith. The first is about faith. We talked about that last week. We bring the first not knowing what's coming. The word says that it's the substance of things hoped for. It's it's about things that we can't see, but we know God's gonna do. So when the Israelites brought their first, when they brought their first lamb or their first few sheaves of grain that popped up, they brought it and set it apart or consecrated is what the word says to the Lord Not knowing if there was more coming, but trusting in that being an obedient, God would bring more. We on the same page? Okay, good. Now in that, like I said, my wife and I have been married for 26 years, we've been together for 27, and in that time, we have been all over the place as far as finances go. We've made a lot, we've made a little. We've been everywhere in between, and there's something that we've learned. There's a scripture that, that we stand on in the word, Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Sometimes it gets used out of whack. The apostle Paul said, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. We knew what it was to be in need. We have tithed from the beginning. For 27 years, we've tithed. And for 27 years, we've also given offerings over and above the tithe. We give to missions, we do those things, but we've always operated out of the tithe, whether we had little or whether we had a lot. And I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry. I've been hungry, but it's obvious I'm also well-fed now. Whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. That's the reference for, for that scripture. Sometimes we think it means we can go bench press 600 pounds. That's just kind of stupid. I wouldn't try it. I'm just saying. <laughs> he's saying, no matter what, I know that when I trust God and I'm content in those things and I realize that he's my source, then I can do all this through his strength. So why a 10th? Great question. Why not an 8th, a 6th, a 4th, a ninth? I can tell you that I'm not God, so I can't give you that exact answer. But what I can tell you is what I see in the word, Okay. Oftentimes in the word we see the number 10 associated with testing. We'll see the number 10 associated with testing. I give you a few examples, they'll throw them up here on the screen. Uh, the first one, 10 plagues in Egypt. 10 plagues in Egypt, Exodus chapters seven through 11. It was a test of Pharaoh's heart, but it was also a test of the Israelites' trust in the Most High God. It was a test. You see the number 10? about number two, the 10 Commandments. Exodus 20, that was a test of obedience. Yes, it's a test of obedience. Number three, Numbers uh, numbers 14, 22, God said, man, the Israelites have tested me 10 times in this wilderness, 10 times there was a test. Number four, uh, Genesis 31, seven, Jacob's wages were changed 10 times. It was a test of his honor, it was a test. Uh, 10 days of testing through persecution, Revelations 2.10, you can go back and read these. 10 days of testing for Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, better known to most people as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And that's in Daniel 1, 12 through 14. Matthew 25, 1 through 13, Jesus shares a parable about 10 virgins. He says, hey, there's 10 of them. Are they gonna be ready when the bridegrooms come? And only five of them were. They had oil in the lamps. There's, only, there's, a, there's a whole other message about the Holy Spirit in that. But only five were ready. It was a test. Only five of them passed it. So we see that tithing is a test of our faith. is really what it is. Tithing is a test of our faith. Malachi 3, 10 through 12. I can't read the whole thing, but verse 10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. God said it. Test me in this. So, tithing is a test of our faith. You know, a long time ago I heard something that got me to thinking is it really faith if it's never tested? I mean, how genuine is your faith if it's never ever tested? You don't even know how much faith you have until it's tested. Just a thought. And then, number three. Tithing is biblical. We're gonna look at some Old Testament scripture. We're also gonna look at some New Testament scripture. Tithing is biblical. Genesis 14, 18 through 20. Abram, before he's Abraham, brings the tithe to Melchizedek, this priest that was a model, a shadow, a type of Christ to come. And that was 500 years before the law, by the way. Lots of folks wanna kinda argue about this law thing. That was 500 years before. Genesis 28, 22. Jacob vows a tithe of everything that God gives him. Uh, Jacob's on his way to go find a wife, he lays down, he takes a nap, and he has this dream of this ladder going from heaven to earth, and angels coming and going on it, and God says, hey, I'm gonna bless the socks off of you, but bigger picture than that, I'm gonna bless the entire world through your family line. Go back and read it, and so Jacob goes, that's awesome. Man, I'm going to bring a tenth of everything that you bring to me. I'm going to bring you a tenth. Also, before the law. Leviticus 27.30. The tithe is holy to the Lord. So this is a biblical principle. Now, again, I understand that folks will go, okay, everything you've shown me is Old Testament, Pastor Rob. All right, hold on. You ready? What if I can show you that there are words in red... Jesus himself said that he talked about tithing if I can show you in the Bible that Jesus talks about it and mentions it would you at least agree to think about it New Testament before we jump into that uh, I gave gave Abby a scripture off the cuff 2 Timothy 3 16 and 17 do you have that? When we start to talk about the Old Testament and the New Testament, let me frame something for you. The first New Testament church, Jesus himself when he was walking around, have you ever considered what scripture they had to teach from? The New Testament hadn't been written yet. It was only the Old Testament. The first New Testament church only had the Old Testament. And so the Apostle Paul's telling his spiritual son, Timothy, who's a young man in his 20s at this point, who's pastoring the largest first century New Testament church, he says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All Scripture is God-breathed. We need to remember that. They preached from the Old Testament. That was the only literature they had to draw their messages from. Now, what we have to do on this side of the cross is then filter all that through grace and realize that that we can't earn our salvation. So this has nothing to do with your righteousness. This has nothing to do with your salvation. It's got nothing to do with any of those things. This is a spiritual principle, a spiritual discipline that God put in his word so that he could help his children have a life of order in regards to their finances. Because I'm in agreement with you. We're under grace. We're not under the law. I can't buy a golden ticket to heaven. Jesus bought mine. Praise God. So appreciate what we're looking at here. So off to Matthew 23, 23. Even though we don't need it because all scripture is God-breathed. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. He says, hey, check it out. You guys even tie that out of your spice rack. I mean, you're like putting a tenth of your cocoa in the offering. Man, that's crazy. You guys are, y'all are some accountant folks. And then he says, "But, but you've neglected these other things, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Now check this out. Jesus said, you should have practiced the latter, the latter being justice, mercy, and faithfulness, without neglecting the former he said hey don't neglect that other thing it's really more like he's saying guess what you should have settled that in your heart already (laughs) just do it (laughs) just do it and focus on justice mercy and faithfulness Jesus' words okay that's before the cross I got one more for you how about that let me give you one after the cross the writer of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews was written, written roughly 35 to 45 years after Jesus' resurrection. Jesus has already paid the price for all of our sin. He's already ascended into heaven. And the book of Hebrews is written. We're gonna look at the tense of some of the verbs here. I'm not, I'm not an English teacher by any stretch of the imagination, but I understand. Past tense, future tense, and present tense. I got that much of an edumacation. So Hebrews 7, 8, and 9. In the one case, the tenth is collected by people who die. But in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. One might even say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham. Levi is representation of the priests. The Levites were the the order of priests. And look at the tense. The tenth is collected by priests who die. He's saying, hey, look, these folks in church, they collect it. They die, but they collect it. But in the other case, by him who's declared to be living, he's talking, of, you'd have to go back and read this passage in Hebrews, all of it, to, to wrap your noodle around everything that's going on here. But then he says, but one might even say that Levi, the priest, who collects the tenth, he didn't say that the tenth was collected by people who died. He doesn't say the 10th will be. He says the 10th is. And then if you continue on down, it says who collects the 10th. It doesn't say who collected the 10th. This, it's in the Bible. Now I also put it in here out of the message paraphrase. Sometimes I use the message to, to balance and to get some of today's vernacular. Look at it in the message. Or look at it this way. We pay our tithes to priests who die but Abraham paid tithes to a priest who the scripture says lives. Ultimately, you could even say that since Levi descended from Abraham, who paid tithes to Melchizedek, this Melchizedek was a type of shadow of Christ, by the way. When we pay tithes to the priestly tribe of Levi, they end up with Melchizedek. It's all present tense. Now, I'm not saying this because we want your money. We're gonna get to that in the end. And I don't wanna make an argument about it because you can come and talk with me about it, but any argument you bring will never bypass the experience I've had. I know what applying this in my life has done. I've done it for 27 years. My children will tell you, they know. (laughs) So any argument can't trump my experience. You can have your own experience. Let's look at some benefits of tithing really quick. Malachi three, seven through 12. I'm just gonna read this first chunk really fast, not all of it for time's sake. Ever since the time of your ancestors, this is God speaking through a prophet to his people. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and you've not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Check it out, he says, hey, you're far away from me. You're far away from me, there's distance between us. And they say, well, how are we to return? And look at what it says. Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? It's like, did we get on a different ball field? What just happened? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse. He doesn't say that I put you under a curse. The curse is already here, folks. When Adam and Eve sinned, the curse happened. This place started falling apart like a cheap $2 watch. And God's simply saying, that's a fact. We gave over control of the earth to the devil in the Garden of Eden. Since then, it's been falling apart. This place is cursed. Just watch the news to figure that out, okay? And he's trying to give us a way to not be affected by that curse. So, I'm not gonna read the rest of that. Let's look at number one. A closer walk with God. I didn't say it. Verse seven says it. Return to me. When we operate in the principle of the tithe, we can actually expect to draw closer to God, not because we've bought favor or because we've bought airtime with Jesus. But it's because the more we trust someone, the closer we get. And the tithe is about faith, which is trust. The more I trust my wife, the closer we get. It's just a principle. Abundant blessing that overflows onto those around us. Verse 10 says that you will not have enough room to maintain all of the blessing. That means it'll get on those around you. If I'm standing here with my hands out and somebody brings a 10 gallon bucket of M&Ms and you're standing right here with me and they begin to pour out those M&Ms into my hands, my hands will only hold so many M&Ms. They will eventually begin to spill over and everybody around me will then get some of that delectable goodness in their bellies. That's the principle that we see here. And we see it in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 10 as well. He always makes sure that we have more than enough when we trust him in this area. And then number three, God will rebuke the devourer for me. God will rebuke the devourer for me. Malachi 3.11, then I will rebuke the devourer for your sake and he'll not destroy the fruits of the ground nor will your vine in the field drop its grapes before harvest, says the Lord of hosts. Man, I wish I had more time to go into that. My wife and I experience that on a regular basis. My wife drives a 2005 Chevy Trailblazer with 225,000 miles on it that does not burn a drop of oil. Do you know why? Because the devourer can't touch it. He can't touch it. We love that car, we never want to get rid of it. I drive a 1997 F 150. The devourer doesn't have access to our stuff. Look at Deuteronomy 29, five and six. Yet the Lord says, during the 40 years that I led you through the wilderness, your clothes didn't wear out and neither did the sandals on your feet. He says, man, I carried you out in the wilderness. You operated out of Exodus 13. You brought me the first. You trusted me and relied on me as your source. So I gave you plenty of resource. You didn't even have to go to Ross and buy a new pair of Wranglers or a new pair of Nikes because they never wore out. I've got a quick video for you. You've heard from me. We've seen from the Word. I want to show you a testimony from a couple in our church that about two years ago came to me and said, hey, we're going to step out and start believing God in this area. Have you got that, Abby?
1: So I'm Kevin. I've been going to tree for over 23 years. I've been a Christian my whole life.
2: I'm Danica. I've been at Tree since the very beginning, um, 36 years ago, I guess.
1: You know, growing up in the church, tithing was always something that you were supposed to do. So, Sort of to me, whenever um, we were younger and before we got married, tithing was always something that the the older crowd did, that the old married people did, that had excess money, and to us it wasn't anything that we did for any particular reason. Uh, and then after we got married, it seemed like we just decided that uh, the kids and the bills came first and we didn't uh, we didn't ever put a priority on tidy even though we had heard all about it uh, growing up.
2: Well in we the put church. it in when it fit. I remember we weren't even attending regularly because Caleb was little or um, ear infections or sinuses or whatever kept us from coming regularly. And I remember it wasn't until, Kevin lost his job, really. That we kind of.
1: Things sort of just went downhill from after I lost my job. Um, it, life became messy. I ended up taking uh, two or three part time jobs just to make ends meet, and that even wasn't enough. And things just did not seem like they were going to be turning around anytime soon. I remember distinctly having this conversation with, with Danica either if we're going to believe. That everything that God's Word says is true, right. then we need to believe that 100% of what God's Word says is true. We can't just pick and choose. If the paycheck that you're bringing into us is a gift from you, and all you're asking from us in return
2: yes, that is that
1: 10%, yeah. then no matter what our circumstances look like, we're going to do that for you. And and that's when we just, we just drew a line in the sand. And, and we it was, said,
2: that was the change.
1: Well, and I can tell you when we made that decision, we were completely terrified. We did not know where that money was gonna come from or how we were gonna have that money available. Even though we changed our mind about the tithe, our circumstances hadn't changed, you know. I still didn't have the job and I still didn't uh, create enough income to provide for the family and we were still putting
2: we were still putting thing.
1: things on a credit card. Yep. But once we made the decision Uh, that's when things started to turn around. It was probably two months after we made the decision to start tithing and not turn around and go back the other way. That's when uh, a full-time job opened up for me. You know, the longer we tithe, the more opportunities opened up. A couple of months after that job, another job came along. As soon as we started, we made the decision, that's when the blessing started happening. It wasn't just about the jobs uh, or the the income. It was uh, things started to fall in place. It's putting your heart into the the tithe. It's believing God is going to do what His Word says He's going to do. Well, and And, just
2: because we started tithing doesn't mean that everything fell into place. We had to trust that God was going to fulfill His promise that He gave us.
0: Would you guys say that by placing God first in this area of life has brought everything else in life into order?
1: Absolutely. Surrendering this area of our life um, has definitely brought things back into order. We no longer worry. We no longer are concerned about uh, where our provision is coming right. from. Yeah, you know, we just want to encourage everybody who we talk to about this uh, subject about tithing um, don't surrender. Um, step out in faith, make the decision to go ahead and give the tithe.
2: It's not easy, but it is one of the best decisions that you can make for your life, for your faith, and for your family.
0: They asked if they could share that testimony. They asked. They said, we want people to understand that this is what happened for us. Uh, It was a fun journey to walk through with them. It was amazing. So why does the local church receive the tithe? Another great question. You all ask the best questions. Can I just say that? I mean, why not the Salvation Army or Compassion International? Those are both great things. Well, let's look at that in his word. So that there'll be food in his house where you eat. So that there'll be food in his house where you eat. Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. If you come in on Sundays and you come in on Wednesdays and your kids go over there or your kids go back there, if this place has been a blessing to you and you've learned here, then you've eaten a spiritual meal here. It helps stock the shelves so that somebody else can get a spiritual meal here so that somebody else's life can be touched, transformed, and changed. And then because it's his plan... It's his plan, not mine. It's not man's plan. Exodus 23, 19. God said, Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Malachi 3:10, we already read it. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That's right here. Into the local storehouse. And then last, because the church is his bride. The church is his bride. Ephesians 5 25. 27 and verse 32. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Now this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Jesus says, hey, the church is my bride. The church is my bride. I want to use an illustration really quick that I saw another pastor use several months ago, and it really impacted home. Baby girl, can I ask you and Chris to stand up? This is my baby girl and my son-in-law. This guy just took my daughter away from me. That stinker. John, would you stand up for me? I was hoping Noah could be in here, but he can't. So let's say that I'm going away on a trip and I'm going to be gone for a while. I want my wife taken care of. So I pull aside my kids and John, and I say, hey, check it out, I'm going on a trip. I'm going to be gone for a while, but I'm going on this trip for my wife anyway. So I'm going to send you each $5,000 a month. I'm going to send it to you, and all that I'm asking that you do is give my wife $500 a month out of that. The rest is yours. The rest is yours. Just give her the $500. I'm going to send you the $5,000. So I leave. I go on my trip. And after the first couple months, I check in. And it turns out, man, they're all giving my bride the $500 that I've asked them to. My bride is being taken care of. But then about three months later, I find out that, John, you're going to be the bad guy. Sorry, buddy. I find out that Chris and Chelsea are still taking care of my bride. As a matter of fact, they've even begun to possibly give more. But at minimum, every month, they're giving the 10% that I've asked them to give. But John's just like, man, he stopped. He quit. Now, I'm not mad at John for that. But I still want my bride taken care of. So I'm probably gonna take this $5,000 and I'm gonna give it to another kiddo of mine, to Teal. Because I want my bride taken care of. I still love John, but I want the provision to get to my bride. Thank y'all. Jesus loves his bride. And he takes her care very seriously. He died for her. And I believe that this thing about the tithe might be a little more personal to him than it is to us because he wants his bride taken care of. And he'll always take care of those who take care of his bride. Just a thought. So why do we teach on this? Another great question. Man, y'all are good. Truthfully, because we care about you. Let me tell you another thing that I've learned in 27 years as a Christian. Whether you give or don't give, God's church is going to go on. <laughs> the gates of hell can't stand against it. God doesn't need our money. It has nothing to do with that. We're teaching about these things because we care about you. We know what it does in your life when we operate out of this principle. Philippians 4:17 through 19 says, not that I desire your gifts. This is Paul speaking. But what I do desire is that more be credited to your account. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. We want all your needs met according to His glory and His riches in Christ Jesus. That's the principle that's in place, but it takes an act of faith and obedience to the principle. It's really that simple. We want you to have enough. Real quick, quick testimony, and then... We're gonna close. My son's I have another son that's 15. This summer he started his first real job. <laughs> Went to work at Schlitterbahn. He brings home his first check, and his first statement was Who the heck is FICA? And why are they getting so much of my money? FICA didn't help me drag one stinking tube. I said, get used to it. <laughs> And I told him, I, didn't, I don't make my kids do stuff like that. I present the principle. They know what we've lived out in our lives. I said, I want you to consider tithing. I'm not gonna tell you, you have to. It's your money, you earned it. You do what you want with it. As long as it's not illegal or immoral, go for it. But I want to encourage you. You know what it's done in our lives. <laughs> he lets three paychecks come in. And I said, hey, I'm just checking in. Have you started that yet? He said, no, and dad, I got to tell you, it's hard. It's hard. I've worked hard for that money. And when I got my first check, it was like 20 bucks, but now it's three checks, and it's like 80 bucks. And that's hard because of FICA. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I said, honey, all I can do is tell you to trust God. He started tithing, and he didn't look back. And something amazing happened. In February, he'll turn 16 and he'll need a car. In my mind, I knew God would make a way. In my mind, I'm like, you know what? I'll give him my truck or the Trailblazer with 225,000 miles on it. And then I'll give my wife my truck and I'll just start riding my bike back and forth to work. It'll be all right, whatever happens. Coming to the end of the summer, my mom calls one night. She says, son, the Lord just spoke to me and said, I want you to give Noah your car, her car. 2012, Honda CRV, 30,000 miles. It's like brand stinking new. And I said, mom, are you sure God didn't tell you to give me your new car? <laughs> you know, ours has 220,000 miles on it. Uh, she said, no, I know what he said, but you're the dad, so I'll give it to you, you do what you want. I was like, "No, no, 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 nah. nah, nah, nah. I, so she drove in, she gives my son her car, He now has the nicest car in my house (laughs) with no payment on it because my God met his needs according to his riches and glory, not mine. My 15-year-old learned that principle. That's really all we want for everyone. But all of that starts with making the first decision of making Jesus the Lord of your life. That's the first and primary decision that has to be made. That's where you put God first, first. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream.